Welcome to Real You Podcast. My name's Mark, and we're going to continue our series on uh, thinking outside the box, obviously. Uh, you clicked on it here. I hope these have been uh, helpful to you. Today we're going to talk about, um, I guess the subject's going to be more on the lines of maybe getting towards stepping out of the box or what hinders us from stepping out now that we're learning how to think outside the box. And today I want to leave you with this, uh, we're going to ponder this thought. And I think, I believe it's a quote by Leonard Ravenhill. Um, Bishop Miller spoke, speaks on it quite a bit. It's, it's pretty profound. It says, the opportunity of a lifetime only exists in the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime exists in the in the in the lifetime of the opportunity and so when you think about that what we're uh, talking about today is um, you remember we finished off last time talking about um, how God basically just told Moses in Exodus 3 um, I'm going to come up to to deliver the people into a land of milk and honey and in the land of milk and honey he didn't define it for them he didn't but they knew in their spirit, they knew in their mind's eye, they knew deep down inside that that meant blessing, peace, prosperity, promise. And it was enough just to just to say milk and honey. It was enough to get them to dream it again, to get them out of bondage, to get them to move forward towards where they were going. So we're going to talk about this opportunity of a lifetime exist in the lifetime of the opportunity. Now when God says he sets before us an open door that no man can shut in Revelations and he shuts doors no man can open. And um we sorta of, um get the idea that the open door is gonna be there forever. That's the that's kinda of like the, the idea that you get, but um I'm sorta of learning over my course of living and, and and pursuing this divine nature process that um, opportunities are to be had and be prepared for and be readied for so that when the opportunity presents itself, I can step in and I'm ready to go. Um, I think that takes maturity sometimes. And um, I think earlier on in my path, opportunities came to me. And now I'm having to pursue and prepare as if the opportunity is going to present itself. Um, so it's it's, it's kind of like uh, moving in a more mature state. Now uh, I'm believing for favor every day, and I'm prepared for what comes my way. And um, it's just a different state of mind as opposed to just waking up one waking up every day and wondering what's going to happen. I'm I'm looking for stuff to happen. So when opportunity pre- uh, presents itself. Um, you sort of have to just jump on it sometimes. Know, you got to know in your heart of hearts that it's the opportunity for you. So we're going to talk about this opportunity of a lifetime that Israel came up against in Numbers 13. In Exodus chapter 3, they leave. Uh, they, they've had, I forget, what, 400 years of bondage or something like that. And um, there's a new day. There's a new realm. There's a new era. Changes in the air. They leave. Um they wander around in this wilderness forever, <laughs> and uh, they come to this place in Numbers chapter 13, and I just want to read uh, several portions of scripture today, and I don't know if we'll get through all this today, but I want to leave you with some um, 
some thoughts to to think about when you think about stepping outside the box. Obviously, you have to think outside. And Moses said, and and I mean, God tells Moses in in Numbers thirteen two, send thou men that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of the of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. So Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, and all those men were heads of the children of Israel. And then it goes on the name of the the twelve, what we know now as the twelve heads or the twelve spies, to spy out the land. And these were uh, novices. These were heads. These were rulers. These were these were the people that were the rulers of their tribe, that the tribe looked up to, that um, were uh, upstanding. Um, they just wasn't just normal old men. These men were, were sent uh, as a representative of the whole tribe. And verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up into this way south and go up into the mountain. And here's the instruction. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak or few or many. And what the land is that it's good to dwell in, whether it be good or bad. What cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land because now was the time of the first ripe grapes so he sends them into the land um, he says check out the land um, check out the people whether they be weak or strong go and spy out the land that I'm already giving you and tell me what you see and here's the beauty of it God not only didn't define the land of milk and honey when they left Israel, when he brought them to the very peak of spying out the land that he was going to give them, and he promised them, you know, you got to go back in Exodus 3 and read this over again. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, but then he said, but there's going to be some enemies, and he named like five or six, and I believe it was uh, six or five, the number of man, and... um, so when you think about getting into your promise or your your purpose or fulfilling your dream or having creative thinking, um, what you have to realize is the promised land still has these enemies, which is your flesh. And they're still going to have to overcome your flesh, your carnal mind, your Adamic nature, your lower thought process to to really get into the blessing of what God has for you. And you can't escape that. I mean, um, so they were sent into this land, and we all know the story. They were sent into the land, and they came into the brook Eshkol, and from them they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between, and then I'm reading in verse 23, Numbers 13, and they bear it between them a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So... And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. So they had a whole 40 days, which is a cycle, to go and spy out the land. 
And they looked at everything, the people, whether they be strong or not, the land, whether it's good or not, if it had wood, if the cities were tents or, or walled or whatever. And so these men were, were wise men. They had the fruit. And you would think um, carrying this fruit would change everything, change everybody's perception of what the land is and the reality is no one no one doubts um that the, there's a promise for us there's i don't think anyone really doubts uh that god has a a, a better path and a better plan and a hopeful life and a blessed life i don't think anyone doubts that um there's a land out there for all of us there's a there's a purpose divine appointment there's future but i think where the doubt comes in or the the thing that challenges us the most that we that i'm learning that that's where i'm living right now i'm trying to erase all these negative um thought processes and patterns in my life these knee-jerk uh reactions to things you know um i'm trying to um i'm not trying i am striving to walk in my divine nature with having the mind of Christ. I don't think anyone doubts that there's a future and a plan and a purpose for our lives. The doubt or the struggle is, is it for me? And when they brought back the grapes, the the 12 spies, all the children of Israel saw the grapes, yet there was so much turmoil and confusion because honestly if you if you just put it in a nutshell they didn't believe it was for them and that's that's why you know i want to revert back to uh this idea that if if everyone's needs were met then god would get the glory and everyone would pursue the promise and that's not necessarily true i've i've seen um so many bona fide verified miracles in my life and yet I've seen people uh, not be changed by it and, and we pursued it and we and we prayed for it and we believed for it and we actually got to experience it but our hope was if people would see this then that would be the finality of the reality that God has a plan for them and they would abandon their carnal lifestyle or carnal mindedness and just pursue God and live in peace and but it's not that way and um, because even if you get in your promised land there's going to be there's going to be enemies there's going to be enemies over there and that's that's one thing that we haven't done very well at. we've done very well at telling people what the promise and the destiny and the future and the and the reality is going to could be but we've we've done uh, injustice to people to to tell them how to get to this. So the children of Israel come back with these grapes that are so big, one branch has to haul it on a stick in between two of them. And it says here in verse 26, and this is where we're going to zero in today, it says, They brought back word and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. This is what I'm talking about. Showed them the fruit of the land. And told him and said, We came into the land where you sent us. It surely flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. They said, 
This land is the land of milk and honey, and here is the fruit. And then verse 28 is the most profound thing, and it goes back to our Adamic lower nature. These are those uh, knee-jerk reactions. These are those tapes. These are those deep-seated um, thoughts and and worries that became fears, and the fear became more real than the fruit they were carrying on their shoulder. And that is just profound to me, but that's the world we live in, right? In verse 28, this land is the flow, this land does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit, and surely it is, verse 28, nevertheless. Wow. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak, the Amalekites, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, and they all dwelled by the coast of Jordan. Nevertheless, the people are strong. Now, here's the beauty. God said, you send out spies, and you bring back a report. In other words, I want, I want, in other words, you can't go nowhere, anywhere, that you can't perceive. And and God couldn't, had been leading them um, supernaturally in the wilderness. He provided for them. They didn't have to do anything. He just protected them. He provided for them. He was trying to train Moses, but he was trying to prepare a people for maturity because maturity is um, where you work with God and work out your salvation and walk in your divine nature as as being one with him and that's the that's the maturity so god brought him to the place and said you spy out the land and you tell me what you think it is and 10 of the 12 said the people are strong nevertheless the people are strong and the cities are walled you know they could have talked about how great the grapes were how much fruit after living in the wilderness for 40 years but the only thing they saw was the enemies and how big and strong they were and Caleb stopped the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it for we are able to overcome it but the older men that went up with him said we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land, which, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that saw in it are men of great stature. And, we were, we, and there we saw the giants of Anak which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight and the congregation chapter 14 lifted up their voice and cried and all the people wept that night and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said would to God that we had died in the wilderness why has the Lord brought us here to die? <laughs> they could have talked about how awesome the fruit was, but 
the promise alone and the proof of that promise alone is not enough to get you to step out of your boundaries, to step out of the box. I can tell you that you can see your promise and you know it's there, but if you don't fix some things inside of you, if we don't get this straightened out, we're going to sabotage our opportunity. And remember, the opportunity of a lifetime only exists in the lifetime of that opportunity. If you read the story further, you'll find out that that was it. Um, well, if you just read it further in chapter 14, God told those men, Surely as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do for you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and they will all be numbered of you, a whole number from 20 years and upward. But your little ones that you said would die, I will bring in, and they will know this land. And the men which Moses sent out the land, uh, who brought up a slander upon the land, even those men did bring up an evil report of the land, died by the plague year by year. All right. Before we go today, I want to I want to leave you with this these these thoughts, okay? It's not enough to see the fruit, to see the proof. I know you think it is, but you'll sabotage it, your opportunity if you don't fix what's inside. So what was the problem with these men? These men said this land swallows people whole. And the real important thing that they said at this one moment was we were in our own eyes, you got to catch that, as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Friends, I'm just telling you that these spies suffered from some, some measures of low self-esteem, and they didn't believe God could do it for them. It's easy for me to believe God to do great things in your life. I made a career out of doing that. But the reality is, I'm in the same boat as you, is I have to learn to think and create and perceive that it's for me also. And that's the hardest thing um, many of us can do. Sometimes um, the fruit alone and the reality of the opportunity is not enough and even but to step out in it you have to believe that it is for you that you deserve it and God has created it just for you and you've got to be ready to go when an opportunity presents itself i'm astounded that these men were so um they were the best of the best of the best 12 of the best out of millions of people and out of 12, 10 of them suffered from some sense of low self-esteem. And low self-esteem people tend to be critical. Um, they tend to sow seeds of slander and discord. They're always negative. And so they were on this negative realm that they were in, they brought an evil report. And they might in their own mind trying to be truthful, but you have to be careful because... God says, this is the reality. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you.
And I believe what happens is, you know, self-esteem comes from agreeing with who you are in Christ. That's how you get better. You just got to keep agreeing and you got to keep telling yourself and having self the self-talk that you are created in his image and his likeness and and you can do everything that he's you know uh joel osteen his father um built the biggest church in the world by and he starts his service every single time for i don't know how many years probably 20 30 40 and said you know and they don't take it to this extreme but they say this is my bible and i can do what it says i'll have what it says and i you know what he's saying is he's the reality of 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 our task is to just try to get people to believe it is for them and we just don't hear that enough that that we not only it's for us but we it's it's a it's a it's a polarizing thing to walk in this divine nature and this and to deal with this carnal man at the same time because at one point i deserve everything but at the other point, I'm so blessed that I don't really deserve it. And it, it, it's just a, there's a flip-flopping in my own heart that, that happens. So you have to agree with God. And um, they said out of their mouth, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. How in the world did they know how the Amalekites viewed them? I'm pretty sure the idea is that they spied out the land and so no one even knew they were in the land. And you tell me how they knew what everybody thought about them. And see, that's what we talked about before. It's that law of assumption. If if I assume that you don't like me, <laughs> then I'm going to manifest fear and rejection. Or I'm going to flip it and manifest um criticalness towards you or whatever um that's where this but that's what we call the old script or the old tape playing of our past so the children of israel were faced with this dilemma they were looking at the fruit two or three million people however many people it was they all saw the fruit hanging between those sticks but the only words they heard were we can't nevertheless we're not it won't happen. It'll never work. And I just I just want to be more like Caleb and Joshua. Two out of those 12 had a good report. And God never remembers a critic. Uh, we, all, we all remember Joshua and Caleb through our Bible studies and our stories and going to Sunday school. But we don't know the ten names of those men to save our life. Because God does not honor critics those who reject uh, the possibility of what he has for him. And just on a quick note, Joshua came from Judah, and Caleb came from uh, Joseph Heritage when he got out of prison. Um, Manasseh and Ephraim, I believe it was Ephraim. Caleb came out of that tribe, which means double fruitfulness, and of course, Joshua came from the tribe of Judah, which is the land of praise, which, um, you know, they just had another spirit. The Bible says they had another spirit. I believe they had a creative mind. And they, when they walked into that land, 
they didn't see the giant. They acknowledged him, but they didn't see him the way everybody else saw him because when they were walking in the wilderness for 40 years, they used their creative imagination and their spirit and and had a dream. And um, when they were walking for 40 years, my the reality is when they stepped into the opportunity, it matched everything that they had dreamed of. And... Um, it's just amazing. <clears throat> so don't think for one minute that winning the lottery is going to solve all your problems. And don't think for one second then that whatever you think you need is really not what you need because what you need is inside to change, to break the script. And vision is having the ability to see life through God's eyes. I love the fact that God told them, you spy out the land and you go see what it is because you shall have it will be to you as you see it and your perception is going to be your reality that's what he was saying that's exactly what he was saying and our perception many times how we perceive life and how how we uh, manifest life many of us are not creating the life we're just reacting to it and I'm, I'm striving to go back to uh, thinking outside the box so that I can step outside the box so that I can live outside the box. So the only way to step outside the box is you got to let go of all the limitations, all the fears, all the um, inward self-talk, that everything that tells you that you can't. You're going to have to face that. That's the only way you're going to step into it. And on one note, it says that these men all died of the plague. And um, you know what a plague would be to me? (laughs) I mean, walking for 40 years in the wilderness and living like that and moving all the time. Can you just imagine never really having anything of your own, no roots? And then to die of the plague would be, um, of course, they died of a plague. But a plague in our generation, in our lifetime, would just be a life of non-creativity, a life of safety, a life of living in the confines and boundaries of what everybody else wants you to be, um, not not living, abandoning your life into the unlimited potential that's really inside of you. And um, so today, I just I want you to think about this self-talk and don't don't lie don't kid yourself and think that if I win the lottery, my life would change. No, probably what would happen is. It would get way more complicated. Um, Bishop Ash used to tell me all the time, the reason you don't have a million dollars is because you can't handle a million dollars, and God knows it. So, um, But I'm still believing God for it, and I'm preparing myself for the opportunity when the opportunity of the lifetime presents itself. I'll be ready. I've had too many opportunities pass me by, and so I'm looking to step into every opportunity that comes my way, I'm believing God for that. I pray that you have favor with God, man. I pray that if you're at the threshold of seeing something great, opportunities, that you won't you won't get into the fear realm and see the enemies. But today, let's just step out and step out of the boat, step into uh, our future. Let's step outside the box and abandon ourselves that we're going to focus on the fruit and not the giants. We're going to focus on the promise, the blessing, and not the obstacles, because they'll take care of themselves. 
All right, beloved, have a great day. Uh, Until we see you again, remember, this is Mark, ProfitsPlanet.com. If these are a blessing to you, pass them on. Um, I'm just just trying to think out loud. I'm trying to um, keep everyone updated in real time. Uh, This is where I'm at. (laughs) I hope you've already processed it and made it through. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Bye.